This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. I'm Robbie Greenfield, and alongside me is Chris McCarty and Sona Rapani. Working our way through the years, we'll highlight world events, cultural achievements, and the stories that have been forgotten. 1999, we've reached the end of another decade, and we're mixing things up a little bit in this particular edition because you two, Chris and Sonal, have both selected their favourite films and their favourite songs from this year, 1999. So we'll present those when we get to those categories, as well as my own choices. You guys can chime in with yours, and, you know, it's all a little bit of... Well, you have fun with it, essentially. Abstract uh, fun. And we all remember Y2K, don't we? Yes, we do. The big hoo-ha. The, uh, the idea that the world would just go into a complete meltdown. This wasn't just public scaremongering. This was taken really seriously yeah. in big organisations. Time magazine, the highbrow Time magazine, was bracing itself for life after this alleged meltdown because the then-assistant managing editor, Howard Chu Yun, wrote the following in the magazine's commemorative uh, 2000 issue. He said, as police throughout the world secured emergency bunkers for themselves, the Time Magazine and Time Inc. information technology staff set up a generator-powered war room in the basement of the Time and Life building filled with computers and equipment ready to produce the magazine in case of a catastrophic breakdown of electricity and communications. It wasn't deep impact, for goodness. <laughs> well, don't underestimate it. I mean, I remember at the time, it was everywhere in the news for weeks, for months even. I mean, there was genuine concern. There were analysts talking about this. There were solutions being discussed. This was really... Obviously, you can look back at it in hindsight and be like, oh, what a nonsense. But, you know, at the time, people were genuinely concerned about this. It's amazing. Tech stories from from 20 years ago. It's amazing. People were being hacked on Hotmail. Wow. And if you tried to set your phone password or whatever password as password now, yeah. chances are you wouldn't even be allowed to do that. It would say you've got to choose a stronger password. Right. right? Back in 1999, not the case. <laughs> the infamous Hotmail hacking was executed by a group known as Hackers Unite, and they brought to light a major security flaw with Microsoft because they essentially exposed 50 million Hotmail accounts, revealing that anybody could log into Hotmail and anybody could access a Hotmail account using the password eh? What? Like E-H. E-H. I knew you'd love this. This is genuinely the first it's time. It's a Sonorapani story. I, I don't even understand. You the mean hack that? Was, the you hack mean- was eh? So wait a minute. As in it was like a back door into the accounts or yes. just that many people were using such a bad password? No, 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 no. It was just a, I think a it was door. just a back door. It was just like you, it, 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 it was like a cheat code in a game, <gasps> in a computer game. That has blown my mind. Yeah, that has. Mm. That is insane. I don't even remember hearing about that at the time. Where did you find this, Rob? <laughs> I'm immediately skeptical. All right. Well, you know, it's going to take nuts. my word for it. That sounds crazy. Did you ever, when you were a kid... Okay, when you were a kid, try to guess your friends' passwords and try to hack into their accounts. Of course I did. I actually succeeded <laughs> numerous times. It was just favourite football player followed by their football number. Yeah. <laughs> Mine still is. Random Oops. story this, but um, Whoopi Goldberg promoted something called Flues in 1999. Flues launched as a currency designed to be used by internet merchants. Users could either purchase flues directly or accumulate credits from online retailers as a loyalty bonus. And it was a tremendously popular product with a Russian mafia syndicate that used it as a key part of a stolen credit card ring. It shut down in 2001 and all unused flues credit became non-refundable. Wow. I mean, kind of ahead of her time, though, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. 
It was kind of the crypto of its day. It was kind of cryptocurrency in a way. Uh, and they also launched something called fingerboards, um, which were skateboards for your fingers, which seems oh, like yes. the most pointless thing. Yes. Skateboards for your fingers. Yes. I need My you to explain that to me. So you, you obviously your index and your middle finger, you just kind of like, it was like an office little thing. You'd have one and you'd... Like a little glove on your fingertip? No, not gloves. Like a miniature, like a, like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids skateboard. skateboard. <laughs> for your fingers. Oh, I kid right. you not, I remember those. The other thing, big news in 99, the greatest game ever was launched. Snake on the Nokia. Was that the year? Wow. We're going to go to movies and arguably the greatest year in American film history. Esquire once declared it the last great year in movies. And though the distinction can and will be endlessly debated, 1999 was a special year, says Esquire, in American cinema. It was endless variety. Some of the most innovative films in years were released all in that 12-month period. And we're going to start with Sonal Rapani's official choice of best film of the year. Sonal, over to you to make the introduction. Well, I think, as you mentioned, there have been so many good films in this particular year. I really, really struggled with it. So I'll tell you my other notable mentions, the other ones that I considered as well. But really, there was no choice in this. It had to be this. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. We're going to get the rest of the movie in that <laughs> clip. <or? laughs> It was such a good scene. It was such a good scene. You do not cut off Morpheus, right? You You just don't don't cut off Morpheus. You're right, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine Dubai Eye just plays the whole audio of the Matrix. Spoiler alert. Listen, I mean, I don't know how there's any competition here, if I'm being honest. It has to be this movie. Because in terms of the concept, I mean, it was just so original and unique and complex, but also not difficult to understand or comprehend while you were watching it. The special effects and the visuals of the film itself, in terms of the fight scenes, in terms of the evolution of, you know, ducking the, the bullets, bullets and yeah. seeing the slow-mo movement. I mean, that was something that we hadn't seen before. Um, just at the mood of it as well. The mm. fact that the concept struck home, despite being so foreign, to the point that people still think and contemplate the idea that we might be living in a computer simulation. It's, it was uh, so it's relevant, powerful. It's relevant in 2021, for it's sure. so powerful. Um, I've got a little fun fact for you. The movie's color-coded. Every scene that takes place within the computer world of The Matrix was given a green tint, mm-hmm. while all the scenes that take place within the real world have a blue tint. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Of course, that makes... I don't think I've, I noticed that, but I haven't watched it in quite some years. It makes so much sense, though, because to the viewer, you have to give an indication without telling them every time you switch. That's it. Now, we've got so many films to get through. Let's move on now to Chris's choice for the movie of the year. It's a choice that will surprise few regular listeners. We'll just tell your mother that that, uh, we ate it all. You know, guys, maybe I'm just not good with girls, period. All that you got to do is just ask them questions and listen to what they have to say and stuff. I don't know, man. That sounds like a lot of work. Here's to the next step. 
Now, just for a bit of context, I was 12 at the time, and I was just... I can't believe in the greatest year of American cinema, he's picked American Pie as his no, number uh, one. That was an iconic film. It, you know what? It was special. It was the onset of It was special, I'll tell you that. It was definitely special. Uh, have I'll you seen it. Nadia? Did you watch yes, the movie? Yes, many times. Na- Nadia lived on long... She still does, Shannon Elizabeth. Elizabeth, Shannon, Shannon Elizabeth. And that movie, onset of adolescence for me, I was 12. Stifler, or striker, the whole thing. Hey, listen, I, I was 17. It was the onset of adolescence for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Nadia was probably a little bit more important for you, Rob, in that regard. But, oh, that was a good you, you gave Notting Hill an honorary mention. Yeah, I did. I watched um, it recently with a mate of mine, weird. And just Julia Roberts. <laughs> Julia Roberts so reminded me just how beautiful she is. The greatest smile oh, ever. Uh, Favourite character from American Pie? Uh, well, Come on, quickly. Uh, well, Oz. Uh, I loved Oz. Jim's dad, this, surely. Well, Jim's dad, but Oz Striker, he, he's the one that played lacrosse. Oz Striker was, was oh, nice what, the guy. wooden kind of, oh, yeah, hey, man. Yeah. No, yeah. come on. No, you had the romantic the worst story. character. He was absolutely he had the, the cheesiest worst. lines, and he was like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Stifler, at least. At no. least had a bit nah. about him. Stifler was a bit too much. You know who it was? It was the guy that. Um, Finch. Stifler's mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finch. Yeah. Go on, finish that sentence. I was trying to think of how I could word that. The one that seduced Stifler's mom. (laughs) You did well. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have gone for this particular cult classic. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Wait. Let me start earlier. Like many of you, I was stuck. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I prayed for a different life. Soap. I make and I sell soap. This is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Uh, I will say, I watched it recently, and... um, it's one of those films where I'm not very good at deciphering what's going on, what the hidden meanings are in films. I watch a film and I take it at face value. I don't see the layers to it. And it's one of those films where I still watch it and I go, I'm really not sure what's going on. I think this is a commentary on consumerism, <laughs> using fighting as symbolism. I think it's all about that. Maybe it's about, you know, being independent or whatever, but it's a cool film. Yeah, it is and really I really cool. enjoy it. And it's kind of peak Brad Pitt, peak Edward Norton. Mm. It was really good. I also read a fact that um, it was inspired by an actual fight. Really? Um, Chuck uh, Palinwick, who wrote the book, he was inspired by doing that, to do that, after a fight which broke out during a camping incident with his friends. Because he said that uh, he, that happened on the weekend. He said his face got smashed up and none of his co-workers the Monday after acknowledged that he looked any different. And that, that was, it, it sowed a seed weird. in his head that you could kind of walk around an office with a black eye and I no one would one. comment on it. Wow. That uh, is such a great backstory. But listen, there are so many films, and I know we've got a couple of minutes, so let's try and get through as many as possible. This one stayed with me for all the wrong reasons. Is this PG, Rob? Uh, it's probably coming with a little bit of a warning, yeah. <laughs> I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. I am so, so sorry. Because it is my fault. Because it was my project. 
that ending. The, the actors. Oh, I've got oh. a great little backstory here. The audition process for the Blair Witch Project, which was done on a budget of twenty-five thousand dollars, and it made two hundred and forty-eight million Incredible. in theaters worldwide. So the Heather Donahue, whose voice you hear there, she remembers reading an ad in a magazine that said, "An improvised feature film shot in wooded location. It's going to be hell, and most of you reading this probably shouldn't come." So even the ad was cryptic. Wow. In order to test the improvisational skills of the candidates, as soon as each potential actor went into the room to audition, he or she was immediately said, asked by one of the directors, you've been in jail for the last nine years, we're the parole board, why should we let you go? Wow. And if the actor hesitated for a second, the directors concluded the audition. Yikes. That is cutthroat, but I yeah. love it. I'd have, been, I'd have done the homeless, I'd have done the Grandpa Simpson in and out of the bar. <laughs> yeah. I'd have been straight in and out. Uh, right, what about this one? Um, this one was just fresh from his turn in Armageddon, Bruce Willis. He was back for one of the greatest plot twists of them all in a movie. You know the accident up there? Yeah. Someone got hurt. They did? A lady. She broke her neck. Oh, my God. But you can see her? Yes. Where is she? Standing next to my window. Creepy. That is creepy. Other films in 99. The Green Mile, Ten Things I Hate About You, Eyes Wide Shut, The Talented Mr. Ripley, American Beauty, Cruel Intentions, Being John Malkovich, Boys Don't Cry, Toy Story 2. I have to say, in this instance, I agree with the critics. I oh, think perhaps the best year in movie history. And the biggest film of the year, which grossed $1 billion at the box office, was arguably the worst. And that was Star Wars The Phantom Menace. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the Force. You believe it's this boy? He can see things before they happen. He can help you. The force is unusually strong. It was actually on the TV the other night, and I watched about ooh, 45 minutes. It's not great. Oh. No, it's really not. It was panned. The Phantom Menace, said one critic, will always be possibly the single biggest missed opportunity yeah. in modern cinematic history. Ooh. And the critic, Adam Kempenar, said, the dialogue isn't the issue, the acting isn't the issue, the annoying characters aren't the issue, there's no sense of wonder, yearning, or spirit, he said. Yeah, I remember the unique disappointment yeah. after watching that film. Yeah. 1999's films were good. The t- TV wasn't too shabby either. I mean, you know why we're here. So if you any doubts or reservations, now is the time to say so. No one will think any less of you, because once you enter this family, there's no getting out. This family comes before everything else. Everything. For me, the best of all yeah, time I still. Um, it was the year that uh, Family Guy made its small screen debut and SpongeBob SquarePants as well. Two that I never got into. Yeah, no, me, me neither. But let's get into the music. Um, Sonal, you have nominated what for your well, musical listen, choices? Here's the context, though, because you've looked back at things to say, do I still enjoy this? Has it lasted the test of time? I looked at it as what was iconic at the time and that I really enjoyed at the time. And it had to be Britney Spears' debut song. Okay. Like that Listen, I think it still sounds good personally, but Robbie's never been so disappointed in me. I can see I it mean, on his face. I was face. expecting something a bit more highbrow from no, you. So, come on. It was, uh, it was, your second I, choice was Smooth Santana, and I'm, I, you know what, Chris? I'm gonna I'm gonna boycott that because there's too many to play. <laughs> there's too many to play, and we you know play what? that on our universe you quite know what? often. That's not a song I enjoy anymore. But again, at the time, I have a vivid memory of being on a school trip in a Mon Jordan with like eight people in a car, and that song was playing. You yeah. know, Fair takes enough. you back. Um, we're gonna save the best 
best till last. I've gone for this one. Dr. Dre is the name. I'm ahead of my game. Still puffing my leaf. Still with the beat. Still not loving police. Still rock my khakis with a cuff and a crease. Still got So, a uh, bit of a fun fact for this. Jay-Z wrote the entire track under his real name, Sean Carter. He was flown into Dre's L.A. studio and he penned it all in 30 minutes. Wow. There are some um, talented individuals out there. Amazing, isn't it? That is. That one features Snoop Dogg as well. And that was a real return to form for Dr. Dre. An album released in 1999 entitled 2001, which was kind of confusing. A bit bizarre. Uh, but it was a great hip-hop album. And it came out the same year. We're going to hear from another breakout hip-hop star as well. This is arguably the most outrageous shout we've ever made on <laughs> you know Offscript. This is Chris's selection for the... Be- <laughs> g- g- l- let me clarify this. The Hold best on. song of 1999. Come on. I stand by it. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me in I the slightest. I was 12 at yeah. the time. That came out. A load of drivel, a load of nonsense, but at 12, school discos. I did well out of that song. Yeah, I reckon there's one or two other dance tracks that I think could trumpet alone in that category, Chris, for just annoying dance songs. <laughs> well, We're going to get to those. I'm, give... I'm not going to know. I'm not allowing you to play oh. Anne Lee two times. What is that one? Go on then, play it. Just yeah. please what play it. Just... <laughs> this is terrible. Come on, let's go. Right, I want, I want you to scroll down yeah. and I want you to play, <laughs> Chris. Let's just see how similar that was to what I think was the superior hit. Right. Alice DJ, oh, do you think you're better off we're alone? talking, Robert. going to jump in here. I'm sure Ecuador by Sasha. By the way, the vocalist there. there is Judith Tronk, in case you were wondering. Okay. And it, was not was wondering, but prom- thanks for furnishing us with that information. <laughs> that was not Alice. <laughs> no, apparently not. It was not a girl called Alice DJ. Um, I was, it was my first year at Southampton University, and you could not go anywhere without hearing this track. Of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator. Yeah, <laughs> not an awful. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a rung up from Anne Lee two times is what it is. All I can say when hearing these clips is dance music took a real nosedive because there was maybe what three or four years before it was ninety six oh. or ninety seven where it was unbelievable. We were doing yeah, had Robert right. Miles, we had Faithless Insomnia. There were like a series of amazing uh, songs that just didn't. They still sound good today. Could not agree more. Years so. later, and then you have this just two or three years after that. Yeah, it was it was on dance. It was just the gutter, wasn't it? I mean, this is the one. I thought you would pick this as your top song, Chris. One down from that. Yeah. Uh, it was described as one of the most underrated dance tracks of the last oh, 20 I years. This brings back some memories. It does. Oh, my word. This brings back some memories. 
Care to share those memories, Rob? Not really, no. <laughs> Southampton, you need Robert 2 1 at history. <laughs> I don't think it was anything to do with my 2 1 at history. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, that was released in August, and it was the second single from Basement Jax's debut album, Remedy. It reached number four on the UK singles charts, and it actually reached number one on the US Dance Club Songs chart. Now, we've got to move to hip hop because we played a little bit of Dr. Dre there. His cohort. Oh, yes. Uh, his protege, I should say, was. A guy that was already gaining notoriety in Detroit at that time and had done for a couple of years prior, but he announced himself to the world with this. My name is... Excuse me. My name is... Can I have the attention of the class? For one second. My name is... Yeah, and actually, I listened to the the Slim Shady LP not so long ago, and some of it is really weird, and some of it is you would it would never be released. Well, it probably would be released today in that world because you can say what you want. But oh my word, if if it came out today in today's day and age, it would be eviscerated by the sort of cancel culture. You know, yeah. it was just, it was so, some of the lyrics were just outrageous. Mm. And, they wouldn't um, even be allowed to get off the ground. Uh, no, you're, you're probably right, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was some shady, so that was the alter ego of Marshall Mathers slash Eminem. Um, and Dr. Dre actually said that they finished that song in a couple of hours. Wow. He said they had an in- instant connection. He told Esquire in 2013, he said, I put the track on, we had a bit of idle chit-chat, I put on the beat, five seconds in, Eminem just goes, hi, my name is, and that was it, and into it. And it's easy to to not think anything of it now, but let's not forget what a big deal it was at the time for somebody of Dr. Dre's status to take a chance on a white rapper. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. That was a huge thing. I mean, he was... was, um, not ostracized, but he definitely got some um, slack from the community yeah, for did. doing that. Yeah. Eminem got sick of that song. He said he stopped playing it at concerts and he just said, listen, I'm thoroughly tired of it. But um, it was a breakout year for another group. 1999 was the year that Destiny's Child went global. Child. They were massive in 99. Yeah. Takes me back. One wow. more for you, Chris. I'll let you decide. Do you want to hear a bit of J-Lo or do you want to hear a bit of Ricky Martin? Oh, there's only one choice in all of that. You know where I'm going with this. Go on. It's a bit of Ricky. Is a fella that wears, a, wears leather pants well, doesn't he? <laughs> he certainly does. J-Lo, If You Have My Love, was the other option, which I kind of thought you'd go with because I know you're a big fan. He faked us out there. Uh, he totally yeah. did. He totally did. But uh, that song, Living La Vida Loca, everywhere in 1999. Oh. And Chris Rock made a joke about it because it became a complete landmark. And Chris said during the MTV Video Music Awards that someone needs to write Ricky another hit <laughs> since he's stretching out Vida Loca like turkey meat at Thanksgiving. <laughs> 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 Well, that is a bit... Wow. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I like it, though. Yeah, yeah it's so won the I. award for best dance video. And I have to say, 1999 music. A bit mad. I'll take a hard pass on that. A lot of people getting in touch, though. A couple that have come up. Scar Tissue was released that day. Yeah. Iris Goo Goo Dolls as well. Oh, Dr. Yes. Carthy said, Live in La Vida Loca, and I want it that way. Um, big year for the Backstreet Boys. Californication, yes. apparently, by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. So a lot of songs that are sticking out for people. We wrap up the time capsule with sport. Obviously, it's the best for one minute and 41 seconds of your life. It will assure that 1999 is probably your favourite year, it's I would there. imagine. But let's have a listen. It's towards Michael. It's come for Dwight York. 
shot. Sheringham! Beckham into Sheringham. And Solskjaer has won it! Mike, there's 30 seconds to sum up that evening. Uh, tears of joy were shed. I, I actually, there's a bit of a sad story to this. I actually watched it. I was 12 years of age. I watched it with my gran, who actually passed away not too long after oh, this. No. And it's one of my genuine final reminders. She actually gave me a really big row because I screamed. I'm 12. Yeah. And there's neighbours. And you know, Scotland, old people, they tend to worry about their neighbours, what they might think. And I was screaming at the top of my lungs that we'd won it. She gave me a massive row. I ran out the back, uh, back door, sprinted home. I only lived two minutes away from home. And then my mum had watched it at her house, gave her a big hug. And yeah, it was it was kind of one of the last memories. Just me and my gran watched darts, watched oh. snooker, watched football. 1999 means an awful lot more than Solskjaer and Sheringham just scoring some yeah, goals. Absolutely. So that, wow. right up there for me. Good reason for Okay, it. in cricket, Australia met South Africa in the World Cup semi-finals, oh, yeah. and they produced one of the greatest ODIs of all time. It was a pulsating match. Lance Klusner, remember him? He positioned himself to be the hero he bludgeoned 31 runs from 16 deliveries he was batting at number eight an all-rounder who also bowled and with australia scoring 213 south africa had reached 205 for nine with one over remaining take a listen to what happened crash that could be four that's hit like a rocket that's four what a shot by launch cruise there the crowd erupts that was perfect timing Fours off the first two balls of the over, tying them up, but Australia would progress on a tie. South Africa failed to score the winning run with four balls in hand, and the run out was farcical. And we've spoken, we've been fortunate enough, uh, White Lightning himself, Alan Donald, who yeah. opened up to us and our old guys of sports yeah. tonight, and it was excruciating for him to remember that he just didn't run. He froze. He, he froze yeah. at the biggest moment. Australia would go on to beat Pakistan by eight wickets in the final. Great year for, for the Aussies. They'd also win the Rugby World Cup. It was their second victory in the tournament. Driving on now, this is really dangerous. Oh, and Regan looking the wrong way, then going himself. Warren, Finnegan, right in the corner. I think it's Ben Tune who got over. And the Australians know that that's what could be the decisive moment. Ben Tune it is. What a year for Australia. Oh, amazing. I mean, oh. cricket and rugby World Cup double. 35-12, they beat France, who played sensationally in the semi-finals to defeat the All Blacks. It occurred to me something similar happened in the 2019 edition. England had their mm. final in the semi-finals, and then they were beaten easily in the final. In tennis, this was the year a certain Serena Williams announced herself with her maiden Grand Slam. The US Open, at the age of 18, she defeated Martina Hingis 6-4, 7-6 in the final. It's Serena, congratulations. Thank you. What does that sound like when you 
you hear those words, 1999 U.S. Open Women's Champion. Uh, it's just really too exciting to compete right now. I mean, I've, I've been practicing so long for this moment, and it came, and it's it's here, and I don't. It's really exciting. It's really great. Just the 22 she's added on since. Yeah, and there was an innocence about her then. Yeah, she's uh, got amazing career that she's had. Finally, Ryder Cup. How could I not <laughs> include this one? The Battle of Brookline. It saw the American stage a remarkable comeback. 10-6 down they were going into the singles. They won the singles 8.5 to 3.5. It all hinged on this putt by Justin Leonard. Oh, that ridge, tough putt to get the speed right on, John. Leonard could somehow win this hole. The matches are over. This looks good. Americans really should compose themselves here. It's really very poor sportsmanship on the U.S.'s part. There. And Leonard recognizes it and trying to get control of everyone. Johnny Miller hope. saying it's poor sportsmanship. Yep. The Americans were swarming the green. Alathabal still had a putt to keep the match and Europe's chances alive in the cup. But, of course, the moment was taken over. He missed his putt. He probably would have missed it anyway, but it was poor. It was poor decorum from the Americans. They would go on to win. And, actually, that prompted a bit of a discussion about, the, 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 the I guess, the spirit with which the Ryder Cup was played in. It's not been as fiercely competitive mm. in, in a kind of niggly kind of sense. the Leonard putt. I just remember the US attire which oh, was atrocious atrocious it certainly was that is 1999 off scripts time capsule rating and ranking the years that have shaped us thank you for listening to the time capsule if you've enjoyed this episode please subscribe rate it and please do if you've got a moment give us a review this is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast don't miss an episode subscribe today